Luke chapter number 15. We're going to be working our way through it. This being Father's Day, and there's, there's a lot in here. We, uh, the parable starts at verse number 11. We're going to look at verse number 1 because it gives us context for the story. But this is a parable of the prodigal son, and there's a lot you can, I mean, there's so much you can pull out of here. There's so much you can see in this passage. Today, I want to look at the father, but I also, we're, we're also going to kind of look at the whole story overall. But uh, the, the verse that I want to focus on this morning before we get started is verse number 20. And it said, the Bible says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And I want to focus on those three things that the father did. That, the, that when he was yet way off, his father saw him and had compassion and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. God. May, may God just open up this Bible to us this morning, just show us in his word. I like to give the context of something, and, and because, you know, so many times in life we've heard different stories and uh, different sermons, and they focus on a different part of each passage, and you miss the context of what's going on here. But when you look at verse number one, it says, Then drew near unto him, and it's talking about Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Jesus goes to a place and all the sinners gather around him. They want to hear about God. They want to hear God's word, so they gather around him. The publicans were the tax collectors, and they were known to be thieves. <laughs> they were handling the money. They, were, they weren't liked by the people, and in some cases there was good reason. They didn't have computers back then. They didn't have auditing. If a publican came up and said, look, you owe so much, the man said, okay, well, I guess this is what I got to pay. And the publican would take his little bit of extra off the top and he would give over what, what belonged to Caesar to give to Caesar. So they weren't respected. So you have, you have here, the, you have the common people that are gathered around Jesus, the publicans and the sinners. And then in verse number two, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know, if this were a modern day example, you could see the country church with the deacon and with the woman, uh, the, the matriarch that's been in the church for years and years, and a sinner walks in the door, and you can see them turning their eyes against them. That's just the picture I get in my head. You get your own picture. I'm not pointing at anybody here. None of this applies to anybody here. Uh, don't get mad at me, Miss Johnny. I'm talking about the churches where they got names on the pews. That's what I'm talking about. And where it's hard, you know, for somebody to come in, it makes it extra hard. So you have the righteous ones, the ones that have been in their mind. They've stayed close to God. These are the scribes that have been in God's word, and they've been writing out God's word by hand, and they've been counting every jot and tittle. And if anybody ought to know God's word, it's the scribes. And it's the Pharisees who know the law, who comment on the law, who sit around, and when they're around the table and they're talking to each other, they say, well, Moses says over here this, and Isaiah says this, or and they begin to have a discussion about God's word. Their mind is ever in God's word. When you get to the publicans and sinners, when they get out in life, they're thinking about other things. These are the ones that went out drinking. These are the ones that have, that have cursed. These are the ones that have been down in the dirt. And the Pharisees figure, well, I haven't been because I keep, my, I keep the, my, my favorite illustration. I wear it out. I keep the outside of the cup clean. 
And Jesus pointed out, yeah, but the inside's dirty. You're whited sepulchers. The inside, the outside, you go down to Galveston and you see those above ground cemeteries and the Man, there's some good-looking ones, right? They spend some money on concrete. They put the angel out front. They do all of that. It looks pretty on the outside, but inside are dead men's bones. That's the way these Pharisees were. You're all dressed up. You got the right clothes on. You, you walk right. You talk right. You, you spit right. You do everything right. But inside, your heart is wicked. And inside these Pharisees, when they looked over there and they saw Jesus talking to the publicans and sinners, they said to themselves, why is he spending time with them? If he wants to talk about God's word, if he wants to talk about things of God, he ought to be talking to us. They don't know anything about that. And Jesus knows this. He knows what's in their heart. So then he begins to hit them sideways. Verse number three, he says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. That's a good story, right? He's going after the other sheep. But there's 99 that were left behind. And you could get this sermon twisted up. You could talk all about the 99 that got left out. That would be the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee would be, well, you got all these other ones that stayed with you. That other one went off into the woods. That's his problem. That's how I feel sometimes about the cats. Well, you know, he shouldn't have gone out there. You know, is that right? I don't know. I'm just trying to tell you, my heart ain't always right. But uh, he says, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And the Lord's talking about going after that one sheep. And we love talking about the one sheep, about the sinner that gets out there and going after the sinner. And in, and in Sunday school, we're learning how to witness. Our heart ought to be after that lost sheep. Whoever it may be, whoever God sends us to, we ought to be going out after the lost sheep. Amen. He said, for I say unto you likewise, that joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over in 99 just persons which need no repentance. So he's telling the Pharisees, he said, you're worried about me over here talking to the sinners and publicans. Who need it? He said, uh, verse number eight, he gives another parable. Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I had lost. Verse number 10, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Jesus gives these two parables and he's laying the groundwork and he's pointing straight at the Pharisee's heart. But he's also speaking to that sinner. That person that gets out in the world, it's not too late for you to turn to God. It's not too late to come back. Sinner, come home. In verse number 11, he gives another parable and this is the one we're here for today. The parable of the prodigal son. There's the prodigal son. There's the three actors in this. There's the prodigal son, there's the father, and then there's the elder brother. Verse number 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. 
and he divided unto them his living. Now, things were a little different back then. You didn't wait for the reading of the will necessarily. The, the, the portion that was to be given could be given out early. And this is what the son was demanding. He said, give me my portion that I'm due. Give me my inheritance that I'm due. <laughs> I, see, I see a face back there like, that'll be the day. <laughs> that'll be the day. But things were different back then. Verse number 12, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided, divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When you read that verse, there's a couple things you can pull out. Brother Grady taught me to slow down, right? We talked about that in a sermon. Oh, slow down, back up. As you read it, you fly right by it. It says in verse number, verse number 13, and not many days after. What we see here, when, when, when you just read through the story, and maybe I'll just read through the story and then we'll comment on it. But when you just read through the story, it kind of flies by. I always saw this when I looked at it. I said, well, the, you know, the father gave him his money and boom, he hit the road. The father knew what he was going to do, but he gave him the money anyway. I think the father might have known. Parents know, right? Parents have watched you growing up. Parents have, you know, and this father watched his son grow up. He watched his other son grow up. He watched his other son take responsibility. Maybe he saw this other son kind of hanging out under the shade tree when he should have been picking the apples or something. He he, he might have seen that. But it said, and after, he said in verse 13, and not many days after, there was a few days there where the father looked at his son and he said, you know, he gave him the money. He said, you know, maybe I can teach him while he's here. Maybe I can teach him some responsibility and stuff like that and how to handle that money. Not many days after, the son takes off. He disappears. This will matter later. Verse number 14, and then verse number 13, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, everything he had, all his money, all his clothes, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. That's easy for us to picture, right? We see it around us all the time. We see people that get caught up. I mean, there's sin that you get caught up in, it, and it doesn't matter what it is. You get caught up in something, the mind checks out. You get caught up in an addiction, you get caught up in gambling, you get caught up in video. I don't care what it is. TV, video games, the mind checks out. There becomes two people there. They check out and they get, get off into sin. And it's like, how could you do that? How could you leave your kids? How could you do this or that? And you say, what's the point of this sermon? I'm talking about the father's love. And his son gets out and he gets away and he just checks out and all he thinks about is, What's going to be fun next? Got a big old pile of money, and he's not worried about it. Got a whole bunch of friends because he's got a big pile of money, and he ain't worried about it. And he begins to spend and spend. You know, that money goes away. You know, they go, one of the things, you get on the Internet, and you look at former lottery winners. Very few of them actually have that same money or have any of that money after a short time. Because they never had it to begin with. They just spend it till it's gone. This is a little short aside. You know, the smartest lottery winner I ever saw was in Georgia. I drove by his house on the way to work every day. 
He had his little plot of land. He had his trailer. He had a nice camper now. I'm talking not, to, not a Winnebago. He had a nice camper. He had a little pond out front. He had another trailer for whoever, his in-laws, whoever it was, his mother-in-law, maybe. I don't know. But that was about what he had, and he hung on to it. Now, and there's been other lottery winners that just spend it like that. But this son, he spent all of his money, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. This is the part that brings him down. We know that the, the prodigal son hits the bottom of the bottom. He hits rock bottom. It said, and uh, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. You know why Jesus chose swine? <laughs> because pork is not on the menu. He had hit rock bottom. He was spending his time with the swine, and their food looked good to him. And that's the prodigal son. And he went and joined himself and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Verse number, six, verse number 17, and when he came to himself, another one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, and when he came to himself, it says, and when he had came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, and this is the part. He's sitting there, and he's thinking to himself, and he's got his speech all worked out. He said, I'm going back. But I understand, I'm not fit to be a son anymore. I would just, I would, I would like to be in the position of a servant. Dad took care of the servants good. He, he took care of them. He took care of their needs. He's a good father, but he's an even better master. And he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He's come to the end of himself, and he realizes there's nothing else for me. I would be happy to be in the position of a servant. Yeah, I'd be happy. I've been out here feeding the pigs. I've been out here in the slop. slop. All those clothes that I had, they're ruined. Everything I had is gone. I'm starving every day. Lord, uh, if I could just get back to my father's, I'd clean out the stables every day with a spoon if I could just go back to my father's house. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off. See, that's another one of those loaded statements, isn't it? Because I just want, I just want to put you in the picture for a minute. The son's been gone. It said, and after a few days, he disappeared. He took off. It didn't say anything about saying goodbye to his father. I think, and this is where... I'm just kind of injecting into the story a little bit. I might mess your mind up. This might be the only way you see it from now on. But I think that father, he said, okay, son, I'll give you your portion. I'll go ahead and give your brother his portion. You're free to stay here. You're free to be here. You can have your money. Just 
Just stay here and work with me, son. I'll help you. I'll show you how to. I'll show you how to run the place. I'll show you how to be responsible. A good father wants to see their children do better than they do, right? I think that's what this father wanted. I think one day the father got up and they go to breakfast and he looks and he says, looks at the elder brother and he said, where's your brother at? His spot's empty at the table. One of the servants said, well, I saw him, maybe the elder brother, because we know his attitude at the end, right? Y'all know this story? The elder brother said, well, I saw him, Dad. He had a load on his back. He took all that money that you gave him, and he took off. I don't know where he's going. He took off, Dad. I'm still here, though. I'll help you. I'll help you around the farm. He never stood up. He never took his own portion anyway. He never did his own part of the work. He was always sleeping under the tree. And Dad looked over at that spot, and his heart was toward his son. And this part where the son's coming back, the prodigal son's coming back, it says, and when he was yet a great way off. You know what that tells us? He wasn't, he wasn't yet to the farm. He was down the road a ways. I, you know, when you read just past it, you can see the father there. And he, he looks up and he sees his son coming up the gate. But it said when he was yet a great way off. I think that father was out there and he was watching for him. And see, Jesus just told us the story about the one going after the, going after the one sheep and leaving the 99 behind. I think that father was worried about his son. Maybe he got word from the far country what was going on. I think he watched for him. I think he prayed for him. I think he watched for that son. You know, the cats, I'll let them go. I shouldn't have gone there. That was stupid. I know, Megan, I'm, I'm hurting her. Well, he shouldn't have been in the road. But the father loves his son, and he's not going to think that way. He's, he, he's like, Lord, please help him. I know this isn't going to end well. Lord, please be with him. Lord, change his mind. Bring him back to me. And I think he was down at the end of the road. And I think he was looking out there for his son. And I think that elder brother was working in the field, and he looked over there and saw that, and he just went back to work. Dad, it's time to eat. Just, just a little longer. I'll, I'll be right there. Just save some for me. Talking to the servant. What, who's he looking for? He's been like that ever since his son left. We see a picture of God looking out for us. We see a picture of God watching someone that gets caught up in sin, watching one of his own children caught up in sin. His eyes are toward him. Even in the muck, even in the grime. And then one day that father looks out there and he sees that son coming down the road. I don't think the son was looking up. I think he's just, he's hungry, he's tired, his clothes are dirty, he's filthy. I, you know, I don't think he's had a shower. His hair is greasy. And he's coming up and he's carrying a little bag. He left toting a load and he comes back just carrying a little bag, maybe some berries he found along the way, just something to eat, just enough to eat. And he comes back, and if only I could be a servant, 
in my father's house. Before he wanted to be the son, he wanted all the money. He wanted everything. Now, if I could just be a servant in my father's house, and this is what I'll tell him. And that father looks down the road, and he sees him coming. And it said when he was yet a great way off, and the father runs toward him and closes that distance. You know, the Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. You begin to draw closer to God, he'll begin to open things up to you. It's never too late for somebody till the day they die. Somebody that's accepted Christ, that's got out of God's will, that's got, I would like to get back in church. I would like to, I would like to get back in the word. There's that desire there. You know, before I thought I was going to be somebody. Now I would just be happy to be his body. I would just be happy to be one of his. That father, when he was a great way off, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. In Hebrews chapter number five, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought is for the people so also for himself to offer sins. In another place it said that uh, Christ, and I'm going to paraphrase it here, but Christ living on this earth, he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. When Christ was here on earth, he knew what it was to be cold. He knew what it was to be hot. He knew what it was to be tempted. He knows what we go through. We, we don't have a God who's untouched by the feeling of our infirmities, the Bible says, but he knows what we've been through. We have a God of compassion. He's not some unfeeling God. You know, somebody will say, well, well I just think that a loving God would, and just follow it up with whatever whatever God they've created. But we have a just God. We have a God of compassion. It said, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that loves us enough to send his son to die for us. Romans chapter 5, verses number 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in sin, while we were still committing sin, while we were still in the world, while we were still doing all of this, while those Romans were still beating his son, while, while the Jews were still rejecting his son, God loved us enough, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But there wasn't any other way. God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins to be degraded, to be put down. Fell on his neck and kissed him. He loved him. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in verse 21, the son said, he had his speech all prepared and he says, Father... I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. We don't even know if the father heard it. 
He was, I could see the son with his speech prepared, and he says, Father, I'm no more worthy. Hey, kill the fatted calf. Bring the best robe out here. And that ring that's on my dresser, bring that. And he's I'm, I'm prepared to be a servant. And he says, son, don't worry about that. Just put this on. Put this ring on your finger. You're my son. And he says in verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be married. And why? For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. It's, it's a great joy to see someone who comes out of sin. It's a great joy to see someone whose life gets turned around. It's like, oh, just because I get saved, everything turns around? No. But you see that mind begin to change, and you see God's word begin to take hold in their life, and you begin to see them put on the robes of righteousness that God gives them, the inheritance that God gives them when they accept Christ. You see their life begin to change. This father, how, how easy would it? Well, that was pretty stupid of me, son. How many of us would do it? <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Who knew, son, that if you go out and spend your money every night and you're not making any, that you would end up broke feeding the pigs? You know, you know how lucky you were to be there? No, we don't have that kind of father. He knows the heart. He knew the true repentance in that son. <laughs> now you're coming back. You want to live here? You walk away from all this. You know, an earthly father would say that, right? There are earthly fathers that would say that, that would reject them. There are other fathers that wouldn't. But God is our perfect father in heaven. He said, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Now, this is the part where Jesus talks to the Pharisees. The Pharisees who were the righteous ones, the Pharisees who, who always had God's word in their, in their, on their lips, but not in their heart. He say, well, how can that happen? How can you talk about the things of God and him not be in your heart? Oh, it happens every day. There are people that make a living off of God's word. There are people that know more about the Bible than most people. And, man, they can get into it and they can tell you the hitherto and the therefore and the why for. They can get in there and they can tell you, well, Isaiah this and Deutero, Isaiah that. And they can tell you all about the Bible. But they don't see the Bible. They can tell you all about Moses and they can tell you about him striking the rock and they can speculate on this and that and they can speculate on the Red Sea and they can say it was over in this part and over in that part and it was shallow and it just happened to dry up. You know, the, the, the flies died and brought on the frogs and the, it, just all kinds of stuff but not see God's plan in that book. And that was these Pharisees. They could, they could nick it. Take it down. They were out in the field working like the elder brother. They were taking care of things. They were staying close to God, but their heart was far from him. So in verse number 28, verse number 20, 
Verse number 25, now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, hey, what's going on here? What mean what these things meant? And he said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And then the elder brother celebrated. Oh, he got mad. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Father could have left him out there angry, but God loves all of his children. God loved the 99 in the story. Verse 29, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Let alone a fatty calf, you wouldn't even give me a little kid goat to kill to have a party with my friends with. He doesn't care anything about his brother. He's written him off. But God doesn't write people off. God does not repent of his calling. Has God called you? said, but as soon as this thy son, as soon as this Thy son, thy son, your son, not my brother, but as soon as this your son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this is thy brother was dead, and is alive again and was lost and is found. Jesus' heart while he was here on earth was toward was toward his disciples, was toward the lost, was toward the sinner. And our heart ought to be in the same direction. It's a hard thing to say for somebody, for a parent that's been hurt time and time again. They've prayed, they've watched, and and they've seen the struggle, and it hurts. There's not much that we can do other than pray and other than be there for them. God the Father, God the Father doesn't let go. God the Father doesn't give up on them. The elder brother, the righteous ones, the ones that think they're doing right, God doesn't care about that. He said, this thy son was lost. And it's found. As we go through this Father's Day, may our hearts ever be toward our children. And and the messaging, I see the group. I'd like to speak to a larger group, and I'd like to say, if you've been out of God's will, if you've been away from the things of God, He's still there, and He's looking down the road, and He sees you coming. And he's already made it halfway to you. He's there to welcome you home. You say, well, I'm dirty. My life is a mess. If you'd seen the things that I've seen, if you'd seen the things that I've done, the father said, come home, son. Come home. He said, oh, but I'm a failure. 
I went out there. I went out there to make my way in the world. I went out. I had plans, and I was going to be great. And I'm coming back empty-handed. God says, come on home, son. All that I have is yours. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. We're not celebrating what you did. We're celebrating where you are right now. Are you willing to come back to God? And I say this, if somebody's listening to this sermon, if somebody here, if they've just been struggling, if they've just been having trouble, God is right there. He never left. It was always right there where you left him. While she plays.